2: Welcome to a Wednesday podcast of the nerds episode number 235. That I was really hoping you would back back up sing right there, Katie.
1: Oh, I don't sing.
2: So I, I mean, you listen to what I did. You think
1: <laughs> my would have been way worse?
2: Here, try it. Just nope. all you no. Here's all you have to do. After I say 235. Then you just wait a beat And then you just go 235 Okay Okay Welcome to a Episode of the Nerdist Podcast Number 235 235 See that was wrong with that That was fine That was fine Not amazing But it was good Alright It was good Am I saying you should Go start doing karaoke Of course not (laughs) But It was pretty good What you just did there so you got some real Thank you. you got some real almost talent there kid. <laughs> Thank but what God. you got to do is really like push it really hard. Try it. 235.
1: 235. I like it. Right.
2: It sounded a little like you were pooping.
1: Yeah. It did. <laughs> I don't
2: know why you would shout out numbers <laughs>
1: while every, pooping.
2: Every time I poop, they I count their poops. I just count them. I just count them. I I'm up to <laughs> I'm up to 20,042. Someone in the world has to oh. have done that. Someone. Oh. Rule 34. Someone has to have done that at some point. It's counted all their poops. Uh, now let's just take a pause for a second before I get to the sponsor part of the <laughs> intro. <laughs> really? You went from poops to our product? Yeah. It doesn't matter, because this episode is brought to you by Audible.com, and they're cool. They don't mind. Visit Audible.com slash Nerdist to get a free audiobook download. They have thousands of books available. One book that I cannot recommend enough is uh, Baratunde Baratunde Thurston's How to Be Black. So get in on audible.com. He actually narrates it himself. He's got a good voice, too. Baratunde's got a good, he just has a good, he's got a good uh, uh, resonance to his voice. I'm kind of jealous of it.
1: It's very calming.
2: It is calming. So you could get that calming book, How to Be Black, from Baratunde Thurston. Again, that's audible.com slash Nerdist for your free audiobook download. Okay, this episode, it's Richard Iwade. Oh, let's see. The IT crowd, submarine, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Also, sincere apologies for my accent. But uh, Richard, and listen, we've had... Obviously some, you know, people on the show that we super, super, super nerded out over, but I've never seen Jonah flip out so hard when he found out that Richard Iowati was going to be on the podcast. Uh, There was a lot of all caps in the text and a lot of uh, question marks with exclamation points built on top of one another. That's got to have a name, right? An exclamatory question mark? I don't know. Anyway, uh, this guy was so sweet and wonderful. And he's brilliant, and if you're not familiar with who he is, then just look him up and start watching everything he's been a part of. He comes from that kind of, that cluster of brilliant British comics uh, that Chris Morris is sort of the godfather of. So uh, it was it was a real, real tremendous honor to have him on, and uh, he turned out to be a, a wonderful guy. So here you go. Here's Nerdist Podcast with Richard Iowade Episode number 235. Also make sure and watch Richard's latest movie, The Watch, opening July 27th, starring Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, and our pal Johnny Pemberton. Now I'm even sorrier for this voice. Alright.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
2: have started. Hey, Jonah Ray. Hey. Is this? S- sitting to Jonah Ray's immediate right is Richard Ayoade. Please uh, tell me I said that correctly.
1: Yeah, yeah no, it's good, good, good.
2: I, I feel bad for someone with a name like yours coming to the States and talking to American press to uh, just imagine how butchered that becomes.
1: Oh, no, it's fine. I've Lost confidence in how it's pronounced myself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that could be the correct pronunciation. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Just you is a fine moniker.
0: <laughs> hey you. Mm. Hey guy. That's all mm. of guy yeah. Yeah. Guyawade. they
1: good.
2: You, uh, we are big fans of yours, and so we were thrilled right.
1: that you agreed to come on our podcast. Well, thank you, but I haven't agreed to come on. I am. Um, you want to let us know I'm when you here. do? Yeah. Okay. I'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. So this is this is going
2: to be sort of a we'll, we'll do a post game wrap up after yeah. the podcast.
1: This is an interview.
2: We'll break it. De- oh wow! I feel and I feel like the the sort of the, the British accent kind of makes me feel more subjugated in a weird sort of way. Like I I, I do I want to impress you. Mm. We want to impress you on this show. Good. Well.
1: We're, we have an excellent track record at being cruel, dismissive, and unfeeling. But, um, luckily, my personal racial lineage has got nothing to do with it, so I can I can have the accent without any of the ancestral guilt. Excellent. Well, you're
2: is it is it uh, is it you're half Nigerian, half Norwegian? Is that correct?
1: Yep, Another one. So yeah, we like to hang out together. For the Norwegian Nigerian <laughs> kids. We don't really go out of that group. There must so be. It's a hard click to get into. I tried in high school. Yeah, it's very exciting when N comes around in the Olympics, as it's. <laughs> <laughs> you, get to, you get two teams, actually, technically it's, three teams yeah. that you get to root for. It's a great letter for me. Um, and yes, I can also, yeah, root for. I love sports. And it's just a great time for me. Do you like all the, the, the kicking, oh, um, the throws, and the running? The throwing, and yeah. The, yeah. The, thr- the hurling. There's a lot of sticks that people throw yeah. and then oh, jumping
0: oh. into sand. I like it when they get the, all the points.
1: Oh, and the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> great. <And laughs> what sport does a hammer? The hammer. That is a sport, throwing the
0: hammer. Oh, that's what is
1: the thing? What, you well, just they, throw... they spin around.
2: They, all, all, is all... that what
0: that's called? Yeah. Spinning around the hammer. All I
2: know about the Olympics is what I learned playing track and field on the Nintendo on uh, in the arcade when I when I was a kid. That's how I know the hammer throw. But I think it's I mean, it's talk about a setup that that made sense like 2000 years ago. I think they were literally just trying to knock the gods off Olympus. Yeah. With uh, with tools and we still do it.
1: Within two and a half turns. <laughs> yeah, so good. You are you going back to London tonight? Um yes, I am. Yeah. It must
2: be a not a fun time to be trying to navigate London.
1: Um I, well, I've been filming outside London in a town called Wokingham. So I haven't been there for about three months, so I've no idea what's going on in London. Well I know, you know, I've had kind of cursory access to the media. But um I'm not involved in in having to navigate the town. I think it's okay to just just step over cars in the central London. Okay, good. Yeah, I've no. Is there? I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's being handled admirably. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of. I was
2: there six months ago, seven months ago, and it was a nightmare. Even then, just preparing for the Olympics.
1: Yeah, well, we like to get stressed about you know anything, so it's good if leaves fall. We find it very <laughs> perturbing. Now, I feel
2: like the, that, that that maybe there's a bit of a sense that the Brits like to get stressed and perturbed about things, but then they internalize it. Yeah. And then that turns into a rage ball that someday may come out. Or just come
1: out as a polite cough. But, <laughs> um, With a whole lot of subtext to it, yeah. that cough. I oh, beg your pardon? There's mm. a lot of subtext to that mucal dispellation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know... That we're amazing. I, I obviously speak on behalf of the nation, as you know. Yes. That's why you're here as an ambassador for yeah. the podcast I'm, world. I'm here as a precise representation of everyone in Britain, <laughs> but also to and, judge us, to take back oh, judgments. Yes, yeah. 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 take that as read. I'm certainly here to judge you both individually and as a people. So we so. could we could we
2: could not do well individually, Jonah. But you and I could still score if. The American peep. Nah, I, think go well. I, I
0: think I'm gonna like do so badly, I'm gonna take everyone down with me. Are you really? That's uh, that's the feeling I
2: get. Every morning when you Every wake morning, up. Every morning. Yeah. You always feel that way. <laughs> I you uh you were president of Footlights, which is un that's so
1: amazing. I mean what a what an incredible Well, it w- it was uncontested in my year. No one <laughs> no one was interested. But so. you still campaigned. No, I mean literally you you no one wanted to do it. The only people who sort of vaguely did comedy in my year was kind of me, John Oliver, and a few others. And it was very uncool at the time. It was when Chris Morris was doing, you know, all of that incredible stuff on yeah. the day-to-day and on the hour, and just uh, just people trying to do Alan Partridge voices, but being <laughs> 19. <laughs> <laughs> being. That oh, like that,
0: and that's where you met Matthew uh, Holness, right?
1: Yeah, but the whole thing was, um, yeah, ill-advised. Uh, so yes
0: oh
2: that's good I'm glad everyone because in the states in the late 90s every comedy sketch improv person was trying to do uh, that Chicago accent from Second City right and like the the Chris Farley you know yeah maybe. uh uh, and then it's it's I'm it's pleasing to me to know that you had your version of that and it was the Alan Partridge voice.
1: Yeah, that was the smells like Teen Spirits, <laughs> and everything changed. And sort of <laughs> is still, just, yeah. Everyone did that.
2: But for people who don't know, Footlights is the it's it's sort of the. I mean, I guess you would call it a drama club, maybe, but it's like a hundred and thirty-year-old performers'
1: club at Cambridge. Yeah, which has a sort of undeserved um ability to put on shows because it housed some geniuses before and um and you know some people who are really great and so when you're in it you just feel embarrassed <laughs> that you're even kind of nominally saying that you're associated with these other people which you just aren't except through you know a name and you're pretty, I mean, I was, uh, you know, unforgivably bad and, you know, haven't particularly transcended that since. And so it's, yeah, it's just embarrassing. You know, Peter Cook was in it and Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and, yeah. you know. Half the Python guys. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really funny people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's embarrassing. That right there is culturally
2: the most significant difference I think between the Brits and the Americans. This is the Brits, even when they're it's I, I, from my perspective, even when they're doing something that does say, "Hey, look at me! I'm doing this thing." There's still a sense of please don't look at me doing this thing. Whereas in America, we would have glommed onto that. I'm in footlights. Here's my Footlights sweatshirt. Here's my footlights hat. Like yeah. we are very braggadocious about our associations.
1: Well, it's I. Different people have different responses to it. I, you know, in my year, it was... No one really wanted to do it. It had fallen very out of fashion. And just the kind of comedy that was around was so... Like, from the 80s, had really moved on. And it it suddenly felt very elitist or snobby or, you know, just something to be somewhat ashamed of... (laughs) Just because you, you just had completely unearned privileges. <laughs> you know, you just, like, Footlights did a show in Edinburgh every year to in, a like, a 300-seater theatre of, of unknowns, you know, completely unknown comedians. Did you still have to flyer for it and stuff? Yeah, we and um, <laughs> We didn't have butlers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it was booked on the strength of the name, and, you know, you these other comedians who had been doing comedy for five years and worked stuff up and had great renown were you know in a hundred seater theater so you instantly felt kind of guilty and awful and undeserving and I mean you really were undeserving of it but there was a a kind of curiosity that someone might spot someone who might be you know as good as Hugh Laurie and that doesn't happen very often.
2: (laughs) Is is there any kind of a process for getting into footlights or or do you just say i'm just gonna start showing up to things
1: it's kind of the latter you just start showing up i mean there's a generally there's um they have a president and they have auditions and when you go in the first year people audition sketches and there are these things called smokers where people try stuff out and but yeah it's like auditioning for any drama club really I remember the first time I ever heard of
2: Footlights. It was on an episode of The Young Ones, where they did like some sort of a college quiz bowl, and the competing team was called Footlights College, and it was like Emma Thompson and I think Hugh Laurie and yeah. and uh, Stephen Fry. and Stephen Fry, and it, it was uh,
1: they were just obnoxious, <laughs> totally <laughs> obnoxious. Yeah, <poshers. laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, not utterly undeserved.
0: Would you,
2: what's the analogy to that? Do you think it's the Lampoon, the Harvard Lampoon, John uh, Ray?
1: Yeah,
0: it seems... Because it, it is through the college, right? It's through the university?
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, like, I, you have to be a student there to be a part of Footlights? Sort of, although you can... Like, Tim Key wasn't, and he, he was in Footlights. <clears throat> and, um, you know, some people... Like, I think Sacha Baron Cohen... Went, he went to Cambridge, but wasn't in Footlights, maybe? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, because so, the, the Harvard Lampoon... And the Harvard Lampoon is... Uh, It's more of a, it's a, it's a rag. It's it's not a performance place. So, yeah. But it
2: is sort of, it's, it's that, that's their version of the comedy institution. Yeah, that's the, of Harvard. The highbrow comedy institution. Simon Bird was in Footlights, too, from Inbetweeners. Oh, really? He was a totally sweet guy. Uh,
1: Yeah, 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 he was.
2: (laughs) I was, uh, I was in the UCLA Comedy Club.
0: (laughs) Doesn't even exist anymore. I took a TV class at Santa Monica community college. Well, that's how you got into that's business. That's how I got into the business, yeah.
2: So like, you so
1: you worked with Chris Morris and and, and that that I, cluster of Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, very uh intimidating when that happened cuz he you know, I know him now, which is strange, but um he was and is utterly revered and um seen as just a kind of mythical figure. What was <laughs> the the first thing you
0: worked at? was it Nathan Barley? Yeah.
1: And You, when I don't know how it works now, but you don't really ever get the part in a film he or a thing that he does. You just some at some stage stop auditioning, so you have about nine auditions and then it starts to film and you go, oh, maybe I'm in it. (laughs) So it's that. How was he in a room to audition for? I mean, initially I was sort of, you know, you're. I found it very intimidating because I completely idolised him, and you know, still do. He's he's great. So it was just very intimidating and just yeah. odd. But he's the complete opposite, probably, of what people would expect, and that he's just incredibly nice and welcoming, and you know, he's he's great. He's what he's one of the truly undisappointing people, which sounds like very faint praise, but you know, when you of someone as a kind of magical unicorn and he, he just is better than you'd expect you know he's just great
0: have you seen four lions?
1: I've not seen four lions it's a beautiful
0: fucking movie yeah he's yeah. great he's,
2: he's really really, really good. good I mean I was a huge fan of
0: uh, day Today and
2: brass eye and yeah. um, which you know I had to I saw in London and then when I was in London year, years ago and then had to get the, uh, had to convert my, co- had to use one of my conversions on my computer to be able to watch the region. Oh, that's right.
0: One of the because you can only do it. You five can only times. do it like five times. Yeah, uh, but it was don't totally. Really to have region free DVD players here, do they? Um, yeah. I do, just because a long a while back it was just when yeah. getting into it, was just it made the process easier. I wasn't really a computer guy, but you can just buy those uh, little Kobe. Yeah, you know, no region. But for, Americans are so
2: unforgivably America centric. And I right. think you know part of that, part of that is just because of the, the, the geography of our country. We're fairly, fairly
1: isolated. There's a lot here as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're not silly to rely on your own resources. But it's mostly the same throughout, though. Yeah. Whereas, like bit, whereas,
0: whereas topography.
1: <laughs> that's, got that be, we got, got
0: mountains and beaches got
1: oceans, and got a couple of oceans. Yeah,
0: a, we have a bay, I think. Yep. There's some boats a, probably. A sound Space.
2: There's a sound. There's a sound. Puget Sound. Yeah. I don't know how many sounds we have. We've got a couple of deltas. Oh. It's a couple of deltas in the Mississippi region. But just being able to be in Europe and you know, and within the course of the day, see several different countries on a train is pretty is pretty yeah. remarkable to us.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, there's stuff in Europe. I'm not going to deny that. But <laughs> there's, there's also, you know, a, a lot here. But to me, it seems. And why would you not have a Region free DVD player? It just seems so odd.
0: Yeah, it's easy. that's how I was able to uh, get into uh, Nathan Barley and Garth Marenghi and I'd Garth Marenghi man, man to Man
1: and stuff like that. Well, well I, Criterion. That's why I have to have it. Be a light. It'd be impossible. It'd be unthinkable, <laughs> not having Criterion DVDs. What would you do? But well, that's another.
2: That's another. <laughs> I mean, British comedy for us is so. it's such a universe and, you know, for instance, spinning off, you know, spinning off Dean Lerner from Garth Marenghi into his own show at that sort of tangentialism that British television has where they go, Oh, we, you know, we did six or 10 episodes of this one show. Here's this other character and we're just going to spin off a thing with that guy, or we're going to follow Alan Partridge further in his life. Like that, that idea seems like so much fun to play with because here we just get locked into Let's just do 12 seasons of this one show because mm-hmm. it was successful for a season.
1: I think it's probably a lot of grass is greener though because I think English people would, you know, look at things like Cheers and that are incredible and fully develop, you know, one th- amazing kind of premise and it's filled with these great characters and they have time to develop it and, you know, they have the resources to keep it going and, and often those things in England are done out of necessity because no one can survive off doing six shows. Sure. Know? And so they end up having to do other things and you can't get the people back because they're in the middle of the other thing or by the time you get them back no one cares <laughs> anymore. Right. Well, um, so is yeah. there? what are the rumors of uh, there being a
0: second series of Nathan Barley? I don't know. Because do I've been hearing about it for like five years
1: I think. I'm not... Yeah, I don't. I think they were talking about it for a while, but I'm not sure where they're at with it. Like Charlie Brooker's, he's doing this thing called Black Mirror now, which are these sort of one-off dramas, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I read about that. Yeah, so he's doing them, and Chris is, you know, he's always doing something. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know what they
0: do. Whether yeah, they'd... it would be interesting to catch up yeah. with everybody and see, like, you know. How much bigger but like much more popular Nathan Barley could have gotten. Or yeah,
1: that. yeah. Who knows what they'll do. Yeah.
0: What uh, I I I heard a, a story. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but that um, there was originally they picked up Garth Marengis for two two series, and no. it wasn't. No. Okay. Well, like so, like you did you guys plan on just
1: doing the six episodes and then spinning it off, or was that a? I mean, not really. Um, no, it, it's always weird to talk about it without Matt because we've never talked about it, <laughs> sort of ever, um, out of character, which oh. people <laughs> were always delighted when someone would say, you're on the phone now with Garth and Dean, and you can hear them go, "Oh." <laughs> so they realized they'd hear some character stuff. That's why I like the uh, the, the, the commentary
0: hat. on the this is Spinal Tap. They do oh, the yes, commentary please. as Spinal Tap. Yeah, it's great.
1: Man. Yeah, we did the commentary for Dark Place and Car- it's it's because it's a show about people talking about how great they are. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about that show is impossible yeah. because otherwise I go when we did the show about the bunch of idiots talking about how great they are, <laughs> weren't we great? To- there are so
2: <laughs> many levels. There are so many levels. You're like, wait, oh, no way, I'm doing this character, commenting on this character, and they're both... That's part of a...
0: Yeah, there should be, like, a a 10-year anniversary where there's, like, a you you just go through each episode as the characters, looking back at the (laughs) replay of the...
1: I mean, and I certainly think the barnstorming commercial success of the first... (laughs) 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 It'd simply be a matter of deciding whose money would accept first.
2: (laughs) Is there there any sense... Because I often wonder how empowered writer-performers feel in the BBC system, whereas, you know, here at a certain, you know, if a show is a hit, then all of a sudden the actors, then it's like everyone bends over backwards to keep them happy. And I, have, right. I get the sense in the BBC, they're like, well, we're the government, and fuck yourself. You know, you don't... Like, is there... Does the performer... Do you feel empowered sometimes as a performer, or do they sort of treat you guys as just employees?
1: Well, I think it's different. I've never... I've only done, I haven't really done anything for the BBC of my own. Um, And so when, because Garth was on Channel 4 and it was on a straight, it was a slightly strange time when Big Brother was very big and popular. You had a Big Brother channel. Yeah, it was in, it was very, and so it was a slightly different climate probably. And Please kill me for using the term climate <laughs> in relation to Jonah, TV. Administer the injection. Yeah. Well, Didn't I'm on either. the fence
0: about the the term. Oh, oh okay. My God. I can go either way. All right, but, well we'll see. No,
1: that was unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and must be rational. <laughs> the TV climate at the time was um, very interesting. <laughs> so it was just, it was weird. It, it felt a very weird time just that being on TV it was so odd. It's like yeah, the year of the sex Olympics or something, <laughs> and so it was. So Channel Four is a commercial station with adverts and all of that. So I, I think the BBC's not the same as that. In this, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, everything I've done has been cancelled. What the hell do I, know? <laughs> <laughs> I? I can't sort of speak from any position other than maybe avoid what I've done. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I'm sure someone like. Steve Coogan is empowered because he's the character and he writes it, you know, with Armando and Peter Baynum and stuff. So I've, I don't think I've been in that position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, the IT crowd,
2: they actually I know Joel McHale was, yeah. did you, you, you did the American version too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. What was your experience like taking a because we, we've we had a long history in this, com- in this country of, you almost said company. We've which, had a long history is, in this company. Well, the company being to. America in sure. the current climate, yeah. uh, which i you see on the spreadsheets I've yes, laid out before you, uh, the 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 various flowcharts and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, but the idea that you know, oh, uh, we got to take this hit British show and then make it big here in the states, and they yeah. never understand. We yes, we do technically speak some of the same language, mm-hmm. but there's an entire layer of subtext and social interaction, and that is completely not the same and they and they miss they miss it a lot
1: yeah or like with the office it's 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 great you know it, I think it's it probably has a similar hit and miss rate to everything in that a number of shows that are indigenously created are also awful but there's no kind of cross fertilization story you know sure I mean I think English people managed to make a number of dire things on their own. <laughs> Americans make a bunch of turgid drek on their own. Sometimes we take your turgid dreck and make even worse stuff and vice versa. So I mean who knows what what happens and you know about Australia, they do it too. Yeah, Australia. <laughs> Belgium. Well
2: the classic the classic story of Dutch. We're gonna Dutch. make your show is Coupling coming after Friends and then America trying to bring Coupling back to the States. Yeah,
1: yeah that was odd. I never really saw Coupling. Um yeah. But you know, <laughs> I don't know. Did was that a no notary- was that on for a long time? Did
2: they
0: make a number?
1: No, no, like a they big- it was a big bomb.
2: They they piloted that show right two or three years in a row they kept trying to make it work and kept trying to make it work and then it just never it just never worked here.
1: Yeah. I think generally, I think it's hard unless one, unless there are some people at the core of something who really care about it, I mm-hmm. think it is hard. And I think if you are adapting a show that's previously existed, it's always a bit weird because you you can't quite feel ownership of it. It's not quite come from you. It's, sure. It's always odd. Whereas I guess Greg Daniels and The Office has a very distinct, you know, I don't know, yeah. that probably was the motor that helped it as well. And
0: And well, then there's like, you know, you got, you got guys like Armando Anucci that just, uh, came to the States and made like a type of show that he was already kind of making, but didn't bother doing like a remake of it just kind of, and then he made Veep. Right. And like, it's just that, that seems to be the better way of going about it. Just, you know, coming here and then building it from the ground up as opposed to just trying to alter something.
1: I think didn't the year before. I think they made another version of the thick of it, and it didn't work. Oh really? I, I think, he definitely did another pilot earlier, and it didn't work out, and wasn't I think what he wanted. So, you know, I think these it's hard. I think to make something. What do you what do you
2: work? I mean, obviously you're you're the watch. You're in the watch mm-hmm. with uh with Ben Stiller and. And, yeah, and Johnny
0: uh, and Pemberton and John, Johnny Pemberton's oh, yeah. in the movie. Yeah, he's like he's featured pretty uh pretty big in the trailer. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And Jonah Hill.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Johnny Pemberton, the he's
2: the youngest looking, the, the boy yeah. wonder. It's incredible. Even with a mustache, you're always like, wipe that off your face,
0: kiddo. Yeah, yeah. he's a good kid. He makes beer. <laughs> he started making his own beer. Really? Yeah. Age-defying beer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the yeah. funniest thing too is like the kind of music he listens to is like the oldest, timey music. It's like his whole thing, his whole record collection, just 45s, like of old garage bands and blues stuff.
2: He's like one of those guys that you, probably like in uh, in Capone's court, there's like one, like a baby face Nelson kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> You're like, yeah, look at that, look at that kid. And then before you know what's happening, he's cut you in half with a yeah. Tommy gun. A killer. He would be an excellent killer because you'd never see it coming.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, he's. He, he should maybe look at that. That's <laughs> a thing to develop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah. He was a he was a thoroughly pleasant fellow. He said the same thing
0: about you. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, I liked him a lot.
0: Yeah, he said you have a uh, you have a lot of opinions on cheese.
1: I don't. But let's say I do. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, maybe he was talking about. Yeah, I was trying. Just to find non orange cheese in America. (laughs) So Um, you do have an opinion. Why? American! But yeah, it's kind of. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's odd because everything's like pasteurized, isn't it? It's all. Yeah, it's bright. Yeah. It's good. You can locate it in the dark. (laughs) Thanks, Louis Pasteur, you dickhead. Yeah. Fucking ruined our cheese. But it is a bit odd. No cheese should be able to bounce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but our cheese has to last.
2: Four really? decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It has a nuclear half-life of, you know, 75 <laughs> years. If
2: there is a nuclear blast, you are to uh, yeah. make a cheese suit. Yeah. yeah. Keith Richards and American cheese. Are
1: the only things
2: that, <laughs> that you, alive. If you could get behind either one of those things to absorb the yeah. majority of the blast. Cockroach, American cheese, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Pemberton.
0: Yeah. Johnny Pemberton.
2: Who is, eats probably a lot of the yellow cheese yeah. and therefore has adopted many of its properties. He is yeah. bright. <laughs> he is. And adorable. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, one, our, our email newsletter went out today, and the, uh, the idea was, you know, here are five British shows that should be brought back. Right. So I kind of wanted to get your opinion on these, it's, if you've seen them. Okay. Sapphire and Steel. Did you ever see Sapphire and Steel?
1: I've, I haven't seen as much as I'd like, but sure. I've, I've probably seen one.
2: David McCollum and Joanna Lumley played Elements Made Human who investigated frightening supernatural events caused by rips in the fabric of time.
1: It has a good title sequence, I remember.
2: It, it's like a total, like the most 80s-looking title That's sequence good. you could ever imagine. That's good. Blake 7? That one I don't know.
1: I never really watched Blake 7. That and Doctor Who I never ever <gasps> saw.
2: Okay. I'm sorry. That's, That's all right. right. I'll be okay. okay. Uh, Robin of Sherwood, the 80s. The 80s, Robin of Sherwood. Oh, I don't remember that one. one. Uh, I think so. Oh, uh, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good.
2: The Tripods?
1: Uh-huh. I
2: didn't know that one. Okay. Mid-80s TV adaptation of John Christopher's War of the Worlds, Planet of the Apes hybrid. Only covered two-thirds of the story, it said, so they were they were asking for a remake. Wow. And, of course, Red Dwarf.
1: These are quite specific. These you? are very specific. <laughs> there are three... Sci-fi. I feel like
2: I know a lot of... Good. British stuff, and Mm. those three. I I mean, I knew Sapphire and Steel, but I didn't know those three. Red
1: Dwarf, of course. Right? Is that the consensus? That's the kind of votes have been counted, and it was those. No, I think it was just. uh, That's one dude. Just that's one guy. Okay, fine.
2: That's one guy who wanted to see these these shows remade. And and there are. uh, Did Red Dwarf get remade, or it's uh, it's being, or they're they're doing another set of them?
1: Maybe they're just still doing them. I think so. Is that popular here, Red Dwarf?
2: With comedy nerds, yeah. I think maybe not. the The majority of the population probably wouldn't know what you were talking about. Okay. But I think for those of us, I mean, the thing about the thing about the kind of comedy nerd thing is that in the 80s, before we had Internet, people like myself would seek out British comedy because it was it was just more. there. There was a quest in finding it to begin with yeah. that was satisfying and just the idea that it was just drier and more academic and. Like you know, like I've said a million times before, the first time I went to London in like '96, I expected all British comedy to be this really brilliant, academic kind yeah. of, and then it, and then I found out that most of it was not like
1: that. You went to John or what happened?
2: <laughs> I don't remember what I saw. It was just, okay. just between some of the stuff that I, some of the sitcoms that I saw, and then just going yeah. to some comedy clubs and being like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, it's just, uh, it's just like this is like middle America here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. This. That, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> do you do stand up? No. I, I did for a brief period of time to an alarming level of mediocrity and yeah, I I was not good at stand up. It's hard there's maybe eight good stand ups ever. Yeah. It's really hard to be good at it.
2: Well there's also there seems to be kind of a stand up comedy boom in London right now. Yeah. Which <coughs> is it's huge. Kind of the antithesis of what's going on here, where a lot of comedy clubs have closed down. Oh,
1: really, okay. No, it's quite. Yeah, there's there's a stand up show on TV that was very popular.
0: And there are, <coughs> they're also re, they're making uh, the set list into a show. Oh, the, they're doing set lists? Yeah.
2: In England, have you seen set list?
1: Mm-mm.
2: It's an improvised stand up show.
1: Oh right, okay.
2: And it's it, when it works, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. But when it does, do, when it doesn't work, still fun. Like the time I did it.
0: Oh, really?
2: <laughs> I do not have a good
0: set. Uh, it's tough. Set. That's the thing. It's a gamble. I know. Yeah. That's, you know. It's, Matt Kirshen, he's the best I've seen at it. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Um, are you <laughs> directing? Because you directed a lot of stuff. you directed television. Are you directed an episode of Community? You've directed yeah. some other Submarine.
1: Stuff. Submarine, is, yes, of course. Submarine.
2: It's a really yeah. good movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Really do you prefer? <coughs>
1: um, I, I, You're not uh, comfortable I, with compliments, uh, are you? Oh, I thrive. I thrive. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no good. Yes, um, thank you. Is the polite? Answer. You're gonna get hugged. I can't do it. We're gonna hug you, Richard. Um, you're, you don't need to. We're going to it. both hug
2: um, you at the same time, and no we're gonna not gonna, gonna let go until you're like, "Okay, I accept um, the love until that you're until giving." My
1: climax, <laughs> um, and but, then and then for two minutes after. Good, and. Um, I am directing something at the moment that we have three days left of filming on called um, The Double, um, which is based on this Dostoevsky book. Um, and I've, I've worked on it with um, R.V. Kareen, who co-wrote Mr. Lonely with mm-hmm. his brother Harmony. And wow. it's got Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, we're just finishing it up.
2: Is moment. Is directing just another facet of something that you enjoy or would you, would you, do you not want to perform anymore? Would you, would you be happy just
1: directing? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy, um, writing. Um, I guess that's the thing I spend most time doing, but I, I like directing, um, a lot. Performing is something I, um, do intermittently and I'm not, especially when you work with really good actors, you realize, you really ought to get out of the way <laughs> of this as a thing. So, you know, I'm uh, able to sort of vaguely say things out loud in a string, but I can't really act at all. So, yeah, I, I, I would certainly not weep right were I a performer again. <laughs> Dean Lerner, right. he was a good actor. Dean is good. Dean's better than me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I I'm not one of those people who can just be... <laughs> there's some people who are just good in everything and just that's their kind of natural ability that is not me I I don't have that ability I have to be kind of forced to do something how
0: did you you get into uh, making uh, music videos was it just
1: kind of well that was um, I met uh, I guess Warp Films and I'd always really liked the Arctic Monkeys and they had just done some stuff with them and so it was fortuitous that I I didn't really um, know what I was going to do at uh, that time, and but had always wanted to do music videos, and just I, I had a, a lucky chance to do you know a video for them, and so. In the timeline of it, was it like post Dean Lerner? Yeah, it was sort of around then, and um, it, it was really good timing because I was able to try some things out, and but they were small, and you know you. From the idea of it to finishing it is a couple of weeks. And so that that was quite a good thing to be doing while I think I was writing Submarines so I could still practice directing. Yeah. A lot of people are directing hot chip videos these days. (laughs) Those guys seem to put out a video like every week. Yeah.
2: And so is uh, Peter Seraphim. Peter 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 He's done one. Yeah. I think he did
0: a second one. I think so recently. Oh, I haven't seen it. I think so. The one he the, the original one he did is awesome. Was that the just, one with Reggie was in? Reggie Watts was in. No, it's second one. Uh, that's the second one. The first one is just a—it's uh, a, like a weird-looking guy that just starts shooting energy, I guess, out of his okay. mouth.
2: Is that? I'm, oh, right. I've at the—they're at the concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. just starts floating
0: around, just
2: blazing people. Is there sort of a uh, a a a cluster of that I like to imagine of just like all these great comedy people that just hang out because because Br- the British performing community is small enough.
1: I'm sure there is. <laughs> well, because you you've done so much stuff it. with like <laughs> Matt Berry, yeah.
0: and Rich and Rich Fulcher. Oh yeah, yeah. You oh right, British you were guys. in the
1: you were in the pilot of Mighty Boosh. Yes, I was. Mm. Yeah, and then I I wasn't able to do the series, um, but I mean, and not loads. I see Noel and Julian and people, but um, not really. I mean, I don't I don't really go out that much. It's a, <laughs> not that social. I sort of see my wife. She's pretty much the only person left who'll still tolerate me. Um, yeah. Not really, I don't think. No.
0: What was the uh, What was the process of uh, making ADBC a rock opera?
1: Um, well, that was...
0: Um, was that pitched as a, like a one-off
1: thing that yeah, you and Matt would write? Yeah. That technically wasn't cancelled. <laughs> yeah, because it was because just a one-off. Because we got in first and went, there's only going to be one. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm not sure if you ever saw, but it's uh it's uh, basically it's a uh, like a '70s stage play musical uh, filmed uh, special for the story of the Nativity. Uh, and Matt Berry, uh, what was Matt Berry's character's name?
1: Uh, well, he plays Tim Wind. Like yeah. Kind of, and then he yeah he plays the innkeeper um, in it. Yeah, it's so. the story of Nativity is uh, set from
0: the perspective of the innkeeper that ends up letting. You know, um uh, Joseph and Mary have Jesus in their barn.
2: This is just a one off special for, for
0: <laughs> surprisingly this didn't
1: make it to series. <laughs> yeah. Although I felt it could have run for at least fifty. Um and Julian Barrett was in it as a rival innkeeper. Yeah. Um with a very short uh, Get out! Toga. And so yeah, I, I it was Matt Berry's idea to he was going to do a kind of Christmas musical. He's always doing musical things and then and then i then, when I was going to direct it, we just kind of ended up writing it together and he did the music. And so, yeah, yeah it was always going to be a kind of a one off thing, really. The,
2: all of the British comics that I've met, you, you and Noel Fielding and Simon Bird and, and Simon Pegg, and like, mm-hmm. everyone's so s- sweet and a little shy. And, you know, so do you find that performing is just sort of a release to step out of that a little bit <laughs> well
1: I mean Noel and I mean all of them were sort of proper performers and I um, have generally been um, happy tinkering behind um, proper performance <laughs> so I don't know like th- there are certain things that I don't know uh, yeah I mean i I'm not naturally given to standing on the table and shouting at a party but within very strict parameters it can be enjoyable Um, so like doing Dean was enjoyable because it was kind of like writing, you know, you have a sort of character with a Rolodex of peculiarities of some kind and then you flip through them in a nasal voice (laughs) and so, um, you know, I can just about cope with that Um, but I yeah, it's odd because people could very legitimately say, "Then why are you doing this?" And I, there isn't a good answer to that, because I think it's more, I think it's more like a sort of infection making things. You know, it's not, it's not something that necessarily <laughs> you're even suited to. In fact, I, I think I did this Jungian personality test, and it said. The one thing I should not be in a show business.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it didn't tell you what to do;
1: it just said the one thing yeah, not said to do. Not suited to show business, <laughs> and in a way, that is true. I'm very not suited to it. I think everyone feels that way, though. I think every good performer
2: feels exactly the way you do. That it's like, oh, everyone's going to realize that I shouldn't be doing this, and I, there are people who are better. And I don't know. I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think more people feel that way. Yeah, possibly.
1: I mean, I think, I don't know. But, I mean, I suppose why directing uh, appeals is all you really have to do is have an opinion on what you like. And I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. Yeah. As in, I can go, oh, I'd like Jesse Eisenberg. (laughs) (laughs) Let's ask him if he'll do this. You know, I'm quite comfortable with that and going, oh, I like that bit of what you do you know, and I like this music here, and I think this should be this long. And so that, that's fine. But in terms of the kind of more, um, you know, the sense of you as a performer, I find that very hard to be objective about. And yeah, I'm very uncomfortable with that as a idea. And, you know, I'm very happy uh, to do it under controlled circumstances occasionally, but I'd find it just terrifying if that was like my job sure yeah the one thing yeah i'd go i i mean i would never hire me can you watch your own stuff no no i can't no i don't watch it and yeah i'm i'm terrible at auditions and just don't audition i just refuse (laughs) not in a high-minded way but just for everyone's sake (laughs) just to spare everyone the time do you feel uncomfortable when you're running an audition Oh, I hate it! It's awful. I'll do everything to avoid making people have to read. Generally, I just try and talk to people and see if they're all right. And I like, be- and then that's it. Yeah, that's the Woody Allen style. He just doesn't ever have them read. He
0: just well,
2: it's it's just the, the the audition process is weird because it's artificial, and it to have someone you know read a bunch of dialogue in that weird artificial scene. I I like that. That approach is like you can get a sense of whether or not someone has a clue of what's going on just by talking to them.
1: I think so. And also, you know, there's some people who are incredible at auditions like Chris O'Dowd is a you know, because he's a great actor, but he's the kind of person you give eight notes to and he can do them all. And, you know, he just is he's just great. And but the underlying thing in any audition is I'd like this job or I want to not be told I can't have this job. Or. Sure. Yeah. So that exists as a oddness in the room that just makes it impossible, I think, for people really to perform right. unless, you know, they're so good. I mean, it's I can't imagine Chris O'Dowd would ever not get the job because he's so good. So that probably just doesn't exist for him. <laughs> so he's just fine. He was great in uh, Girls, his episodes of Girls. He's always good. Like, yeah. he's just never... Yeah, he's great. Well, the other side of it, too, is that Any good
2: scene of more than one person is a relationship that is built based on whatever sort of organic energy percolates between two people. And so if you're reading with a casting person or a producer and they're doing it like this and then you have to somehow engage that them in this scene, your energy is largely based on what they're doing. Unless they're like huge monologues. I just I find it to be a shitty process. Yeah,
1: they're hard. and you know people sort of feel defensive in them, which is the opposite of what you want. And yeah, I I I hate putting anyone through it. I just find it just awful.
2: What do you do? You have anything that you like to do outside of performing? What's what what's, what kind of?
1: Oh, nothing.
2: Just perform. <laughs> I
1: mean, no, I mean, you must. No.
2: What do you? What do you? Do
1: you collect anything? I, I you have hate not perform.
2: I'm so unhappy not performing. Um, if you're not on
1: a stage. I, I you know, I like uh g- g- being at home and seeing and uh you know, seeing my family and um I watch films and What have you been really, watching lately? Well, mainly just the master trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I watch that loop. thing like ten times. Yeah, I just watch that yeah. anytime I'm near a computer. <laughs> um yeah, just the master trailer. More yeah. or less. have you seen yeah. that yet? I've so been hearing about it, but yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yet. Yeah, good. Even yeah, the yeah. other weird
0: teaser one before that he put out that thirty-second one. Pretty good. I yeah.
1: sort of think he's maybe better than Stanley Kubrick now. Really? He's just so good. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I can't wait for that movie. Yeah. Do you see the trailer uh, for Sleepwalk with Me, the Mike Berbigley movie? No, I haven't it's seen uh, it looks pretty good too. Okay. Looks, yeah, a lot of stylistic choices and okay. Yeah, I think yeah. you like it.
1: I don't know what I've been looking at. I I watched Blowout again recently, which... Oh, game. yeah. I um, like Hitchcock at the moment it's a lot. <laughs> you know that guy. Like Hitch, Hitchcock. Randy Hitchcock? Hitchcock. Robin
2: Hitchcock, Robin the singer. Hitchcock,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did uh, Transformers. Yep, Robin Hitchcock <laughs> did Transformers. Yeah. But um, The Wrong Man, I'm really into that Hitchcock film. Oh, yeah. It was great. So... Yeah, I watch a lot of old things, mainly. Yeah. Do
2: you do you watch a lot? Do you like? Do you prefer? It's. I find that I don't watch a lot of comedy. Weirdly, as much as I'm in the comedy business, that I don't see a lot of comedies. Oh, really? I tend to just like more like sci-fi, horror, action stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't s- seek it out so much. I mean, I genuinely really like Community, <coughs> which I, I started watching because I knew Joel. But I thought, you know, I I think that's a great show, and it seems somewhat bold of them to try (laughs) to do it without Dan.
0: Yeah, we'll see what
2: happens. (laughs) I love everyone on the show. I hope it goes well
1: for them. Yeah. Yeah, No, the cast are great, and, you know, it must be a weird feeling for them. It's got to be hard because they... Well, they have to either contract. They contractually
2: obligated to, to show up for work.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really odd. Yeah, it's actually the guys that took over are the guys that did uh, oh, really? the uh, American version of the It Crowd.
1: Well, they're really nice. I mean, they're really good. Um, but it's kind of Dan, isn't it? I mean,
0: yeah. Well, it's his show.
1: Yeah, it's
0: weird. It is. It's a little weird. Yeah,
2: but you know what? I I mean, this fucking it, the the business is hard enough. It's just sort of. I don't think anyone faults them for wanting to keep their jobs you know and uh, you know yeah. they're, and they're f- hilarious people
0: yeah so I mean the show's set up I think at a at a point right now where it's just they just kind of have to keep on pushing it in the same direction if yeah. they try to alter any of the relationships or the style choices I think that'll it's just I don't know there's so much that Dan brought so many like layers of different things how much on. in
2: British television how much does the network get involved in the production or do they pretty much go you know here's your money just go make your thing and give it to us
1: oof I don't. As I say, I've never done more than one series of something. <laughs> I've been involved with writing, so uh, yeah. I mean, we were pretty lucky. We didn't have much interference. Even if we'd had, I don't. We wouldn't have listened. But that's maybe why we only got to do one series. Um, I'm. I'm just um, constitutionally. I can't do it. I'm so counter suggestible that if someone. I, I As long as you're able to, um, as long as it's your decision and you're not forced, I think it's fine to have as many notes as possible. But as soon as it becomes a power struggle, it's just, you know, useless and worthless. And it just becomes about people digging in. So mm. I sort of think it's relatively arbitrary whether this joke or that joke. So I think you may as well have one person who cares about whether it's funny making the decision rather than one person who cares about it being popular because no one knows what's popular. So as a bet, it's better to go, I would bet with Dan Harmon, (laughs) who knows what's funny and is interested in something being funny rather than someone who's tried to make something popular, which I imagine is what an executive legitimately has as a job. But just as a bet... It would be more (laughs) prudent to go with the funny person. they usually say something
2: really interesting, which I think is about how you direct is the idea of like, well, this joke or that joke doesn't really matter in in like when it becomes a power struggle. So when you're when you're directing, are you open in that sense where you just sort of like everyone kind of pitches in and then you pick whichever is the funniest thing? Or do you do you like to stick to, to the book pretty much?
1: <clears throat> no i mean you 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 have hope for something better all the time you know for someone to have a better idea which is seldom difficult um so yeah i mean that's the whole point the, the difficulty is is that if the the only reason something is in something is because it's been forced then that's terrible whether it's the person in charge who has that power or anyone you you sort of want the crate interior of it to be you know what you think best reflects what it could be if that's not too many clauses (laughs) but I don't know you just have an idea of what you think it is and what works and things either fit into that or not and it's relatively you know it's it's incredibly subjective you know whether you how long is it funny for this to happen right you just kind of guess at it
0: what was uh what was your experience when you were directing the community episode the uh the dinner
1: i was really good yeah Yeah. i really enjoyed it and um it was very it was written very you know right up to the wire i mean they didn't have scripts until the night before and for me it was just very interesting seeing the writer's room and i was allowed to go in and see how it worked and yeah i really liked the show and for me, it was a great pleasure to do. I was, yeah. And it, it, and I didn't know it was going to necessarily be that episode when I said I'd do it. Oh, really? And it was oh, really? really great for me. Because it did Louis seem Mal. up your alley. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I love Louis Mal. I sort of thought this was a joke when they said this Louis Mal thing. I went, oh, wow, okay, <laughs> great, yeah. What do you think is the most essential element to
2: making something work when you're directing? Is it, is it the actors or the writing or the direction or the editing or... Even the lighting or the the um, sound, the music?
1: Well, I suppose they all are important, but you can't... If, if the acting's bad, that's it. You know, there's nothing you can do about it, really. So, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. You know, you can have something that's not brilliantly lit and can sure. still be interesting. But, yeah. Yeah, If if you've got bad acting that's it's over yeah are you avail- Are do
2: you have much of a of an online presence i have no one
1: <laughs> so the, i mean so i have email
2: but but n- otherwise none no there's no, no you're not on social media there's no uh no i'd be unconfident of even defining social media <laughs> <laughs> well in the current climate it's mm-hmm. the <laughs> way that the young people are communicating okay. across uh it's a it's a paradigm shift from it's a 2012 Great. climate. Great.
1: So what are these kids doing? I, <laughs> I mean, don't know what the other kids t- are doing. they tweet decks.
2: They're on tweet decks and Facebookings. Good. Good. Um, no, the, I have nothing. I think that's, uh, you know, part of me feels like, I don't know how I would exist without being interconnected in that way. And I always have respect. lonely.
1: But, um, <laughs> you, know, you should try it. I
2: don't know Sorry. if I. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I'm yeah. too.
0: You never thought about trying to just disconnect for a little bit?
1: Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. yeah. What are like you even those, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> about... Well, this oh, is the Matrix, you and you're just down. you're yeah, all are no, all projections of like our consciousness. Like, am like... I like the old person at the end of a rap video? <laughs> so, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you want to do
0: yeah. with your and then, life? And then we hand you a boombox, and then you get hit.
1: Yeah. No. I. So, but you're massively plugged in to stuff i guess so yeah
2: yeah i don't know it's it's i mean i've <laughs> i've had computers for 30 years and been online since 94 and it's just a part when of when they
1: opened up
0: the internet when they
2: <laughs> when they finally swung the doors open
0: i started uh, trying to just leave my phone uh, like at home or in the car when i go out now if i'm going out to hang out with friends or go to a bar mm-hmm. and what if someone just, needs to find you
2: what if you're trying to settle a bar vet and there's no Guinness Book <laughs> of World Records in the bar? Or you need to know the fastest way to exit a building if it's burning. Uh I guess I just have to try and feel it out, I guess. But like it's You're gonna it's, die
0: like everyone <laughs> did
2: in the old days. They're all dead. You know why? No technology.
0: But it feels if it feels good. I actually end up having a better time. Like when I'm just like talking with people and engaging it's a it's, an, it's you should try it
2: the best way to hang out with people is four people at a table you and everyone's faces in the their
0: phones <laughs> then everyone takes a picture of everyone and else, then they're
2: tweeting each other but they're not actually then talking then they all yeah, instagram it uh so t- so the watch is opening soon uh, august uh is it
1: god can we stop talking about that film i'm My so gosh. sorry i know no. did you want to talk about it no i i mean I'm oh july 27th
2: <laughs> does she want you oh, to talk oh, about yeah. it
1: yeah. Um, I don't know. It's probably best. I uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd um, elevate it in any way by my voice saying things.
0: I'm looking so forward I'm, to it. I'm, I've heard good things. Good. Uh, the people I've talked to that have seen it. I hear uh,
1: Johnny Pemberton's in that movie. Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, Johnny Pemberton. Johnny P.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, he's in it. He's good. Excellent. Uh, but I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. It seems I'm like good. a big high concept comedy.
2: So my last question for you before... We um, let you leave the country and go back to England. Is um, I, have I have a question too. But, so just okay. okay, yeah. My question is Have you agreed to do the podcast?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, good. I'm in it now. Good.
0: Oh, good. good. In that case, is, uh, is there any projects that you and uh, Matthew Holness will ever get to work on again? Like, I do don't you guys co- ever
1: think about working together in a show I or a movie? I don't think so. Are you it's not also, friends anymore? I don't think there's anything in the pipeline. I mean I'm just going to What's the climate this. in that pipeline? The climate is um kind of a I'd say it's hailing <laughs> but with patches of sun. It's, so it's, it's sunny humid. but hailing in a in the pipeline. Yeah, it is humid and, weirdly. And quite misty. Yeah. But also there's some... it just smells bad as well. Yeah. In the pipeline. So nothing's really going on. It's out. a complex <laughs> pipeline. No, no, there's nothing going on. I'm yeah, just a You know, trying to bring commercial failure to other projects. Yeah, yeah. You guys are (laughs) going out separately to try and fail apart. Yeah, yeah. That's the aim. That's (laughs) always been the aim, really, (laughs) to spread the failure as widely as possible. Well, um, I know a
2: guy who happens to have access to creating content for the web, the interweb. Uh, And if you ever wanted to do something, this person who could be me would produce it. If you yeah. ever wanted to
1: go that way,
2: good. it's just something to take home okay. with you. Good. It's a long flight to, you good. know,
1: and, I'll, I'll, and I can take my climate metaphors as well and try and untangle them. We
2: can yeah. we can try to clear out good. the
1: pipeline. Well, thank you, yeah. and get the lines of communication open. Here's well. the twist: this
2: is
0: even a podcast. This is just a meeting. Good, good. <laughs> good. This, this is, is a we record
2: all our meetings. I, I've pitched
1: myself admirably, I think. Um. Good. So.
2: You have uh, you have such a lovely voice. We usually yeah. say something at the end of the podcast. We right. tell people to enjoy their burrito. Would you please do that for us? Because it, it sounds much nicer coming out of your face. Uh, you tell people to enjoy their burrito. You've just done it, and okay. it was gorgeous. Okay. Thank Good. you. Thank you. Should So we're not supposed to hug you really hard afterwards? I think it's safest not to. Okay. All right. Good.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Richard Iwate.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com.
2: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Audible.com. Visit Audible.com slash Nerdist for a free audiobook download.
1: Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a prince charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. Twelve American women are flown over to the UK for a bachelor-style reality dating show.
0: There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd.
1: These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry.
0: What? Y'all playing with me, right?
1: You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery+. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.